The comforts of home are universal. This special issue is both a catalog and a guide, with great values and style tips throughout that make it easy to create the warm, relaxed home you've always imagined. Make yourself comfortable. Fascinating ferns dress up shade. Soft fronds with well-defined texture and color will dress up any shady garden spot. Lady ferns, soft emerald fronds and delicate texture look lovely anywhere. No matter how hard we try, we just can't stain, wrinkle, shrink, or fade these shirts. They've been tested in our lab and in the field, essentially put through the ringer to make sure they live up to their name without sacrificing comfort. Spring sparrow bedding. We translate the detailed illustration of the 19th century field guide into a pattern full of life and color. Pigment printed on cotton percale. It shows several pieces of species of sparrow, each on a different type of branch. Here and there, plate numbers in graceful script recall the original ortinology books that inspired us. Jellyfish Aquarium. You don't need to visit a marine exhibit to see the graceful movement of a jellyfish. Set up this mini aquarium at home and watch as your faux jellyfish mimic the movement of real things. Every world robe needs at least one great pair of chinos. <laughs> Enliven your cooking with Chef Brian Voltaggio's favorite seasonings. Choose from Saigon cinnamon, ras al handol, curing salt, za'atar, malt vinegar sea salt, and granulated honey. Our wooden caddy is sold separately. The closest thing to a universal garden tool. Its blade acts like a steel fingernail that becomes an extension of your hand. It weeds, cultivates, scalps, edges, digs, furrows, plants, transplants, dethatches, and harvests with ease. This chair invites comfortable relaxation with its wide rolled arms, barrel back, and sweeping apron. It is crafted from Kubu Rattan, prized for its strength and variegated gray-beige tones achieved by soaking the fiber in river water for up to four weeks. Walls of color all summer long, soften walls, fences, and traits, and harbors with a blanket of blooms. Fairy fountain! Kids' eyes will light up at the sight of this magical swimming spot. LED lights in the bottom cast an enchanting glow upon the water, and the two frolicking fairies included. Perfect in a covered garden or set atop a table. Special value. Save $50. Thanks to an extra-large cooking service, our family-friendly panini press holds up to four sandwiches at once also doubles as an indoor grill. Vintage linen men's shirts have a texture that's crisp and comfortable, elegant and relaxed. We replicated their appeal in this bedding collection woven from a blend of linen and cotton for softness 
and subtle luster. The yarn-dyed stripes have a cross-woven look that lends dimension to their design. A distinctive specialty radish from North China, average four or five inch long, rather smooth, cylindrical, deep pink roots with crisp, nutty white flesh. The taste is both hot and unusually sweet. New slimming swimwear. Our suit offers great shaping and control, and they feel comfortable all day long. Subtle shirring minimizes your hips and waist, while the draping helps camouflage figure flaws. Eek, Dahlia, be the first to grow what is quite possibly the craziest, most unusual Dahlia available. Eek features a mass of curled petals in deep raspberry pink tones and contrasting white undersides. Inspired by the past and built to last for years to come, these rugged shirts are made of strong, substantial cotton. We use pure indigo dyes that will fade over time for added character, just like your favorite jeans. Carefully selected from restaurants throughout Central Europe, these vintage glass bottles were once used for storing wine or oil. Each bears the rare character and individuality of an antique. Let us choose for you. Central European jet jewelry, set with magnificent jet black cubic zirconia. This striking collection features a graceful stylized line characteristic of early 20th Art Deco jewelry. Princess Sidon Pony. What little girl wouldn't feel like a true princess atop her very own magical pony that's as soft and dreamy as fluffy white cotton candy? Michael Tino here for Unitarian Universalism. Now you may be saying to yourself, I need a religion, but there just isn't one out there for me. I'm just too free-spirited for the ones I know. If so, today is your lucky day. Not only do we have a religion for you, but it is unlike any other one you have ever heard of. You, yes you, can be a Unitarian Universalist. Amen. This you see, is a religion that welcomes you whether you're, whatever your spiritual path you're on. Are you a Buddhist? Welcome! Are you a Christian? Welcome! Atheist? Welcome! Jewish? Welcome! Post-colonial, neo-pagan, eco-feminist? Welcome, welcome, welcome! Whether you meditate or procrastinate, whether you read scripture or dime store novels, we have got a place for you here. You just won't believe how welcome you'll be as a Unitarian Universalist. And that's not all. You say you don't want to go to hell? Who does? Well, in Unitarian Universalism, there is no such thing. That's right, no hell. Everyone here has inherent worth and dignity. And any god we might or might not believe in thinks so too. No hell at all. Just 100% pure love, powerful enough to remove any stains on your soul, even those pesky ground-in sins. No soaking or burning necessary. You're probably saying, this is too good to be true. But wait, there's more. 
you can actually make the world a better place in this religion. Unitarian Universalists put their beliefs into action in the world. You want justice? You got it! Action? You've got it! Deeds, not creeds in this religion. Put your actions where your values are, and it's like the world magically becomes better. Amazing. There's got to be a catch, you're thinking. Am I right? You're probably waiting for that list of rules. Well, guess what? There is not one. Principles? Sure. Covenant? Absolutely. Rules? No, thank you. Now, you might be thinking, this sounds too good to be true, but I'm not even up to the best part yet. You get all of this, all of these exciting things, meaningful rituals, universal salvation, spiritual exploration, justice, making all of these features you will not find together in any other place, and you get them in a community too, a supportive, nurturing, unitarian, universalist community. In the hospital, don't expect to be lonely and blue when you're a unitarian universalist. You'll have more company than you can handle. Want to explore a particular theology? Form a small group. There are bound to be others interested when you're a Unitarian Universalist. Classes and fellowship for people of all ages are included at no additional cost. Act now and you'll get this amazing one-of-a-kind religious symbol, a flaming chalice, a symbol that actually represents hospitality to people being persecuted in our society. What more can you ask for in a religious symbol? And why settle for a mere icon when your religious symbol can be on fire? <laughs> now, how much would you expect to pay for this religion? 10% of your income, it's worth every penny of that. And of course, many other religions wouldn't be shy about asking for it either. 5% of your income, it would be a steal at that price. No, this religion can be yours for, wait, wait a second. That's not how we do things around here. In this consumer culture in which we live, we are taught to want more and more. Stuff upon stuff upon stuff. Many of us this very evening will be watching a very popular football game just so we can see the creative advertisements that are placed between the action in the football game. People who don't care whether the Packers or the Steelers win or people don't even know that the Packers and the Steelers are playing will be watching to see the little child Darth Vader selling Volkswagens in this evening's Super Bowl because we are taught in this society that consuming more and more is the answer to the hunger that our soul feels. We are taught that our brokenness, whatever our brokenness is, can be fixed by applying more stuff to it, by collecting more things around us. We've even invented, invented the term retail therapy for when we're feeling sad. What do we do? We go out and buy crap and that's supposed to make us feel better. Our very real psychic and spiritual pain is used by corporations, big and small, as leverage to get us to buy things. If only we had more stuff. If only we had that perfect pair of chinos, that pretty pink princess pony, that universal garden tool, our lives would simply be perfect. If only we had the stuff that made us look like we were so put together, maybe we would be. Maybe all of our dreams would come true. Sadly, we all know that that's not how life works. And yet we fall victims 
to, victim to these messages again and again. Tracy Chapman, known theologian, also was known for her searing commentary about her modern society, and she took on the issue of unbridled consumerism more than 20 years ago in her song, Mountains of Things. She sings, the life I've always wanted, I guess I'll never have. I'll be working for somebody else until I'm in my grave. I'll be dreaming of a life of ease and mountains, oh, mountains of things. To have a big expensive car, drag my furs on the ground, and have a maid that I can tell to bring me anything. Everyone will look at me with envy and with greed. I will revel in their attention and my mountains. Oh, mountains of things. Are mountains of things really the pinnacle of our existence in this world? Are they really the answer to every hunger in our hearts? I have to admit, when I hear that song, I think of Christmas, and especially Christmas in my family. You see, Christmas in, in my family of origin is well known for including mountains of things. Mountains of things. People bring carloads of gifts. Our, our car was so laden with gifts this year that we couldn't actually fit them all in my car. We had to take Eric's car because his back seat was bigger than mine to fit the mountains of things that we participated in bringing to my family's house for Christmas. This year, it struck me just how much we concentrate on all of those mountains of things when my five-year-old nephew was upset. I have two nephews in my family of origin. They're five and three. And the biggest gift under the tree was for the three-year-old nephew. It was this big. It was big. It was, the, it was the thing he most wanted in the world, a play kitchen set. And it came in a really big box. And my five-year-old nephew was upset because he didn't have a box that big under the tree. All the gifts for him were just this big. <laughs> and it really struck me how much attention we were putting on these mountains of things when I had to sit down and have a talk with my five-year-old nephew about what goes into boxes and what might go into a box this big and what might go into a box this big and what was really important about what was in those boxes. And I explained to him that the box that was this big for him was a collection of really special gifts, gifts that, that I had been shopping for two months for that were all based on his desire, as he has expressed this fall, to one day be an artist when he grows up. The three-year-old got a kitchen, kitchen set. It was one toy, it was on his list, but the five-year-old, the five-year-old got a box that took two months of hard work and careful thought to put together. And I had to explain to him that it didn't matter how big the box was. What mattered was that someone was thinking about you when they put all those things in it. And luckily the five-year-old, my five-year-old nephew Cameron seemed to understand this, but he was looking at that big box <laughs> the entire time. I talked earlier about my favorite Christmas present this year. My favorite Christmas present being the ability to spend a week with all of the people in this world that I'm closest to. A week in one house just being with one another. It's not a thing. It doesn't come in a big box. They put it in a card so that we could actually open something 
but the gift itself, the gift itself is the most precious thing that anyone could give at Christmas, not stuff at all. The most precious gift are the gifts of time and presence, the gifts of relationship. And those are the gifts we get in the community of this fellowship. Religion, you see, is not a commodity for sale in an infomercial. It's not a bargain value to be found in our lives. The benefits of being part of a spiritual community are not quantifiable commodities, commodities that fit in a box this big, or a box this big, or even a box this big. It's in spiritual community that our wounds are salved. It's in spiritual community that our brokenness is healed. The benefits of being in a religious community are soul benefits, and they don't fit in a box at all. And I believe strongly that we should not seek the cheapest empty calories available to fill our spiritual hunger. We give to a religious community because we believe in it. We give to a religious community because it gives us something that we cannot get anywhere else. Something that's not available in a mall, something that's not available in a store, something that's not available in any catalog that comes to your house, something that cannot be ordered from Billy Mays on an infomercial. We give to a religious community because we are nurtured by the connections we make here. Because this is the place that feeds the hunger in our souls. Because this is the place that helps us heal the brokenness inflicted upon us by a society that has truly lost sight of what is valuable. What would you pay for such a religion? My guess is probably not as much as many other people do. When I was living in North Carolina, I worked with a woman, Sabrina, and she was a member of a, a United Holy Church, a traditional African-American fundamentalist evangelical church. And um, her congregation built a new building. And um, she knew that I um, liked to do floral arrangements. So she asked me if um, I might arrange silk flowers in arrangements to be the, the centerpiece on the altar that she would like to donate to her congregation, and so I did that. I did that for her. She and I went to the store and we bought these silk flowers and I arranged them in these gorgeous arrangements that would fill the front of the altar, and I, I delivered them to this church. And I drove out of Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, is a pretty tony place. And I drove out of Chapel Hill into the, the countryside around Chapel Hill, past trailer parks and shacks and all sorts of poverty that existed right down the street from the major research university that was there. And I drove up to this church, this gleaming, gigantic wing on this church that they, they had just completed, that they were so proud of having added on to their congregation. And um, I met the people in her congregation. And the people in her congregation, by and large, lived in those trailer parks and those shacks and in the countryside, in the poverty around Chapel Hill. They weren't the professors at the university. They weren't doctors and lawyers and people with high incomes. Um, they were the people who lived in the trailer park and the shacks 
And I said to her, I said, Sabrina, how could people who live in such poverty afford this gleaming, beautiful new building? And she said, well, we ask people to give 10% of their income, and we get it. And even people that poor give us 10% of their income. And when all of these people, no matter how rich or poor they are, are giving us 10% of their income, there's really nothing that we can't do. We're launching our annual stewardship campaign this Sunday. And you, if you've been a member here or a friend here for a long time, will be asked to think about what you give to this fellowship. If you're new here, if you're just exploring us, you get a pass on being asked to think about what you give to a religious community. But those of you who've been here a while will be asked to think about that carefully. None of us are asking you to seek bargain basement religion at bargain basement prices. All of us, whether this is our first time here or our thousandth, come here seeking relationships. We come here seeking partners in our justice making. We come here seeking a community that will teach our children important values about how to live. We come here seeking guidance for how to live our lives in ways that matter, in ways that express our deepest values. We come here seeking wholeness, and that's something that can't be bought in any store. So you will be asked, what would you pay for that? And the answer in this free religion is up to you. May it be a good one.